Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to another edition of One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and once again, I am coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. Um, It was only a uh, balmy 115 degrees today, but I always say, you know, it was um, 10% humidity, so it's dry like a sauna. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, I love it out here. Um, I wanted to ask everyone, please follow us on social media. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. We have a Facebook page, one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Or just go to my website, jaspercole.com, and there's a, a link for the show that has all the archive episodes and all that good stuff. Well, you know, we – here at this show, we try to be uh, entertaining and lively and up, and especially during this pandemic, um, we want to keep everything on a positive note, but it's it's very hard to ignore, obviously, not that we would ever ignore all the un- unrest that's going on, especially since last week's show. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on my wonderful co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole, Jr. <laughs> Hello, Jasper. Hello, Planet Eartha. I'd like to begin the show by saying happy 11th anniversary, Jasper. Planet Eartha, Jasper and I met 11 years ago on a set and where I was working. I was working on a TV pilot, and Jasper had another client who was also working on the pilot. He saw me and fell in love. End of story. It's interesting because I always thought it was community service. And it, it involved ankle bracelets, but maybe I I I miss I don't remember it yeah. right. But no, but if you want to say it, if you want to say it was a pilot, that's good. No, no, I'm kidding. I can't believe. Well, in many ways, Ralph, it, it seems like I've known you a lifetime um, from the time we, I met you. Exactly. Well, I just got goose pimples when you said that because Planet Earth. <clears throat> one thing that has been consistent about Jasper. And our friendship is that from day one, we have always been communicative with each other. And that's a testament to why a a friendship and a relationship and a business partnership can last and endure because of communication and just being honest. And Jasper and I have always done that, and that's why we're here today. We're wild and crazy and zany. Jasper is very political. I'm very beautiful. So we put those <laughs> two things, we put those two things together, and we come up with our show. So yeah. it's Beauty and the Beast. Is that what this is really it's, about? Yes, Beauty and the Political Beast. Oh, because yeah. two to- two tops do not make a bottom. But that's exactly. a whole. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's whole, a whole other show. That's a whole, that's other, a whole other video. That's that we'll, hilarious. Falcon, Falcon video pack 1991. Anyway, that, will, that we'll be doing remotely. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I kind of said at the top of the show, you know, I want to just, we have to, of course, acknowledge that today was George uh, Floyd's uh, memorial in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, Ralph, since last Thursday's show, well, first of all, uh, it just so much happens every week, but this last week has been, whoo, it's been a moment in history um, with all the protesting and the riots. And uh, I know you and I have had private conversations on the phone over the last week, but, you know, it's been a moment. And I was so pleased to see that the other three uh, police officers were fin- finally charged today uh, or yesterday, I guess, Um at the family's wishes, they wanted them to be charged before the memorial service. But, you know, now we just have to pray that um, uh, there will be a conviction forthcoming. That That's always the the hurdle in these situations, you know, first getting the charges. And unfortunately, so many of them are eventually acquitted. I, I just pray that this is going to be a difference. What do you think? Well, I wanted to ask you, what could cause a jury to find them acquitted? 
Well, I mean, that's so, that's the million dollar question. But if you if you go on and you Google, you know, Trayvon Martin, if you just Google all the other cases in the past 10 years, five years, there's only been like maybe two or three convictions out of all the well. And sometimes there weren't even charges brought against the cops. But in many of the cases where there were charges, they were acquitted. Um, I think a lot just has to be has to what is the makeup of the jury, you know, and, mm. you know, look, OJ Simpson was acquitted, right? Robert Blake was acquitted. I mean, cause we know they allegedly were not guilty, <laughs> but right. The thing, yeah. though, with, with, I, I, the thing that speaks differently to me this time is that the world saw a live video that, I mean, maybe the police are not happy that it wasn't on their body cam being filmed, but that spectators were able to witness the eight minute and 46 second horror. Doesn't, mm-hmm. isn't that going to weigh a lot in, in terms well, it, of getting a conviction? Well, unfortunately we've had that in the past and it, it didn't lead to a conviction. I mean, you know, when you get, prosecutors involved i mean it it comes into the legalities and they have ways of making jurors believe that you know there were there were circumstances leading up to what we saw on the video and uh their police cams were not turned on i mean there's all kind of things i i feel in my gut that i i think the the country has shifted uh for some reason i i i want to believe this is different um we have not seen this kind of uh, upheaval in in a good way. This kind of fuck it, we've had enough um, situation over any of the past. You know, it's just a combination. There's a pandemic. There's civil unrest. We're in the middle. I, well, it's hard to believe we're in the middle of an election because it's almost like there is no election because we can't really talk about it yet, you know, because we're just sort of dealing with a pandemic. So, as you and I talked about many times, I don't believe it's a coincidence that we we have a virus in the in the White House and we're dealing with a virus. You know, I think I just think it's all symbolic of what's happened to this in the four years since Trump came into to the White House. And and and, and let's not forget about two nights ago when he basically they pepper sprayed and tear gassed peaceful protesters at Lafayette Park right before Trump made a speech and then he did that to clear the way so he could come over to this church and make a ridiculous photo op you know holding up a bible upside down i mean in many ways i just say let him just keep fucking up one time after another mm-hmm. um and hopefully between now and november um enough of the people who voted for him the first time will the ones that are sort of on the fence and that were you know not wanting to vote for him again. Hopefully they'll have a reason now to just say, you know what? I just can't, I can't this time, but right. we can't, we that's can't count we, them out though. You know, we cannot count we can it out. For. My biggest fear is that if they are acquitted, riots and protests will resume. In oh, a way. oh God. Yeah. I mean, it'll be like that's Rodney what, King times a million times. Yeah. It's yeah, going to be that, all over. So, and that's what is so scary because what we just went through this past week was terrifying. Not that I was ever in harm's way. Rose and I, we, we were at home, thank goodness, and the neighborhood, I, as far as I know, remained safe. But when you see the volatility of the nation, so if they are acquitted, then I'm scared for my life. It's like we will not be able to leave our house you know, because right. they are going to – yeah, I well, mean, the, well, the good the good news is, I mean, I would think as an African American family, I I don't think I don't I don't think anyone's going to come after you. You know, you don't represent quote the enemy. You know, well, no, I mean, I'm not talking about directly to me. They can come after anybody. Race at that point is not an issue. They're just killing and maiming anybody just for the folder all of it because they're so angry. You know, so. That's what that's what I was. Uh, that was my point. Is that I am going to be terrified 
to you know if if they're acquitted because the riots are really going to amplify and we're not going to be able to go out and get groceries as easily as we are now perhaps because everything will be closed and boarded up you know so right, right. um well because even I mean, today I... you, oh, go on no i mean my 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 hope is of course that doesn't happen but again i i think the the fact that so many people really now are uncomfortable that, you know, I, I told you the other day as an, as a white person, I, I cannot judge anything on this. I can't judge the loot, the rioters, the looters, because I don't know what it's like to be black for five seconds at all. And so if, if it, I will say this as horrible as it is for property to be damaged. And, and I know it's horrible, but inventory can be replaced Buildings can be replaced. Plate glass windows are going to, can be replaced. A lot of people have insurance. A black person's life cannot be replaced. Exactly. So I can't really put a value on the merchandise. And, and I really want to our, – our amazing guest coming up today, um, actor, author, chef, Mitchell Anderson, who's also a restaurateur, you know, I, I, and by no means do I want to – uh, make light of anybody's business being looted. Of course, that's horrible. And I, I'm sure he will say the same thing, but I'm just saying that when you compare the two, um, I thought Al Sharpton today said a great thing about, you know, get, get your knees off our neck, you know, mm -hmm. get your knees off our neck so we can have the same opportunities um, as everyone else. So if, if anyone missed the memorial service today, it's streaming all over the place, but uh, Reverend Al Sharpton was, electrifying in the stuff that he that he said um you know and it's interesting too because mitchell our guest lives now in atlanta georgia which you know it's georgia's my home state and i you know atlanta is such a unique place because it's home of the civil rights movement and martin luther king and i've always said many times that you have this you have atlanta this amazing diverse liberal cultural place you know right in the middle of the south and it's so dynamic and and everything and then you can venture right outside you know to different counties and it's like going back and sometimes to the 1950s but you know what you can say that about la we've talked about that before as well ralph you know um you can venture out to orange county you can go up to i don't want to name cities but you know what i mean you can go 50 miles 100 miles outside of la and you're you you're into the you know white supremacy so mm -hmm. it, but I just always thought Atlanta was very unique in that sense that um, most of the city government is black. Um, so, you know, originally it was, it was so much of the black Hollywood first went there. It was mostly African-American, which was great. So it, I, I want to talk to him about that. So, but anyway, I just want everyone to know that on our Thursday shows, we're going to keep it light. We're going to have fun. We're going to have laughs, but you know, there are times like this when we just have to, acknowledge everything and say to everyone just you know please be safe I, I my only worry now is that a lot of the COVID-19 cases are going to spike you know from all the protesting um even though I saw people wearing masks I certainly saw a lot of people that were not six feet apart and I don't know it's just you know we'll just have to wait and see because it's going to take a few well, weeks for the results to come out. I mean, your concerns are well-founded. I mean, oh, my God, it's just such a sticky wicket. I mean, you know, for fear of saying the wrong thing, it's like the protests had to happen, but yet we're supposed to maintain social distancing and wearing a mask, mm -hmm. and all of, all of that went away. And to your point, I mean, <clears throat> one of the newscasters last night removed her mask and started talking to mm – -hmm people she was interviewing and I just thought and touching her nose oh. and her face and I was like wow did everybody forget what is happening here you're absolutely right there is going to be a spike I mean how can there not be a spike when there was a spike before the protests you know right so and when we were all trying or most of us were trying to adhere to the CDC rules that's all gone astray now you know, I mean, wow, Jasper, think about it. First, 
the governor now says, okay, the beaches and certain establishments can open. And with that, I felt it was too early. It's like mm-hmm. we haven't the, – the, the virus has gone down enough for us to justify that. So people are going to let their guard down and be in these restaurants and in their nail salons and what have you. And that, that like I said, was before the protest. Now the protests come, and the streets were jam-packed. Oh, with, God, yeah. You know, so it is, like you said, it's going to be another few weeks. I thought we were going to get a reprieve during the summer from the virus, have the numbers go down, and then expect the resurgence in the fall. But it seems like now, um, from midsummer on, we're going to be, you know, still quarantined, still locked up, still trying to figure out how to get a fucking plate of food from your dressing room. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I... I mean, you know, I, I've said before, I, until there's a vaccine or treatment, I just assume we all have it. I, you know, I went and got, I had to go to the, I had to give blood to get the blood, the uh, antibody test yesterday. And I mask up, of course, but I wore the gloves because it's a, you know, it's a lab, it's a medical office. And I have to be honest, I had a lot of anxiety I had a lot of anxiety being just being out in that environment and being in the mm-hmm. waiting room. And as you know, we both are have some potential projects coming up um, that, you know, I, I as actors, we're just going to have to pick and choose, you know, and I, I think the key is going to be once one production goes back and and they make it OK, then it'll other people will watch and see, okay. Cause the, the fine, the latest guidelines that came out from all the unions this week were pretty stringent and pretty detailed. And I felt, I feel very um, encouraged by what the guidelines are. I mean, yes, they're, they're requiring a lot more money and investment on, on the producer's part, but it's going to be worth it because um, it's going to be hard not to get, you have to get insured to these productions, but listen, I want to get right to our special guest today. As I mentioned, um, he is an Emmy nominated actor. He's an author. He's a chef. He owns restaurants. He's written cookbooks. Um, he probably is best known um, as an actor from the series Party of Five, but he was also in Doogie Hauser. And the list goes on and on. So without further ado, please let's welcome to the show Mr. Mitchell Anderson. <laughs> Hey, Mitchell, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Say hi to Ralph, my co-host. Hey, Ralph, how's it going? Mitchell, I am excellent. I am so excited to meet you. I've known for several weeks now, it's been, well, a couple of months actually, that you were going to be on the show June 4th. And as you know, we've had. And you couldn't sleep that whole time, right? (laughs) Darling, I haven't slept since. But um, I still look really fabulous, though, but haven't Thank slept. You. But, um, but Mitchell, yeah, I am just happy to talk with you today. I only know you um, from this incredible work you've been doing on After Forever, so I am eager to get to know even more about you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You know, it's such an interesting life to lead hmm. when, you know, 20 years ago I decided – that my show business career was, you know, in in its last days. And I left it happily to find a new passion. I went into the restaurant business, um, trained as a chef and opened my own restaurant 15 years ago in October. And then Kevin Spiritus, my old, old, dear, dear friend, called me one day a few years ago and said, I've got this project I'm working on. And I really want you to play my partner in it. And would you please read it? I'm like, sure, Kevin, I'll, of course I'll read it. And <laughs> he sends me this script and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You know, <laughs> when I was acting, I never, I mean, I had great parts. I really did. I have a, I had a great career, but this, this script and this project and Michael Slade's awesome mm. words and Kevin's spirit and, you know, the first season directed by Jennifer Pepperman, it was just, it was such an incredible experience. And 
someone wanted me to do this. I was like, mm. are you kidding me? You know, and I, I was able to, you know, arrange it with, in the restaurant and get the other two chefs working really hard. And uh, they covered me while I was gone to, to shoot it. But it was an incredible experience, really. Well, it's, it's amazing to me because um, I've actually known about your career for many, many years. Our paths were, you know... You know, L.A. is a, a big town, but show business is a small town, obviously. But Correct. we have many yeah. mutual friends, you know, the whole thing. But I, yeah. I, what I, you know, what you're probably really well known also from the Karen Carpenter story, of course, as Richard Carpenter. Um, you're so you're so lucky that as an actor, you do have these sort of projects that you're known for. You know, you've got Party of Five and Doogie Howser. Ralph and I are friends with Marcus Redman. Who was also oh, on yeah. Do- yeah, Doogie Howser. I wasn't sure if yeah. you guys were on together or we not. We were. But- um, so he, we overlapped a little bit. Um, I was on the first two seasons. He came on, I believe, in the middle of the second season and then finished out the show. So we did overlap a little bit. He was a lovely guy. He's a great guy. But, you know, as Ralph and I both being actors, I think a lot of times we – we all look at this business and we think, Oh my God, I, I could never leave. I could never do anything else. And I, I just was always, I was, I admired you so much when you decided that you wanted to pursue another passion and, um, and had, now has being a chef, was that something you had always been, been happy to try to do? Had you been a big cook on the side or how did the, you know, Jasper, it's really it's really interesting. I I feel like, oddly enough, uh, my whole life was training to be a chef. Mm. Um, I grew up in a big household. Um, my mother was a good cook. My grandmothers were great cooks. We grew up in sort of rural Western New York, where you know farm produce was, you know, fresh off the field and into the pot or or. Uh, roasted or grilled or whatever. And so that was my palate, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my growing up food was really important. And as we, as my siblings and I got older, um, we would come home from college or as we were young adults after college, um, our entertainment was cooking for each other. So it's one of those families where in the morning you get up and you talk about, you'd have a great breakfast and then the the topic of conversation was what are you going to eat for lunch and for right. lunch you're talking right. about what you're going to eat for dinner and mm. but, so so that was my you know uh, that was my entertainment right mm-hmm. um and i also believed and i and i practiced this when i was an actor um that food continues the conversation um mm-hmm. and it's all about communication and i was the guy who had all the people over, you know, once a week and they, they would, they, we call it Mitchell's uh, Tuesday night dinners. And, wow. you know, I would, I would make a, a, an awesome dinner, but it was really not necessarily about the food. It was about the fellowship and the camaraderie and people by and large in the um, entertainment business, but all very interesting and passionate and activist sort of personalities and, and I just loved it. So I had a great career that in the in my middle 30s, I was feeling a little bit less than inspired by what was mm-hmm. being put in front of me. Mm-hmm. I could have I could have held out. I could have definitely had a career, you know, and obviously I still do in some ways. Right. But um, but I I wanted to have something to do every day. You know how it is, right. Jasper. When you oh yeah, you know oh yeah, not always working. And you wake up mm-hmm. in the morning, and you're like, what am I going to do? And you created right. a radio show, and so that's that's an. Uh, I just wanted to, as I was going into my late 30s and early 40s, I wanted to have something to do. So I met Richie, who's my husband now, and we've been together for 23. Congratulations, years. by the way. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. We've been married for four, but um, we met in 1997 um, at an HRC uh, dinner here in Atlanta. We traveled back and forth between LA and Atlanta while I was still on Party Five and still working. And I did, you know, Relax It's Just Sex, and I did theater all over the country. And I just, at, at that, 
you know, that moment when you're turning 40 and, and mm-hmm. things are looking at your life. And honestly, what happened is I, w- I had moved to New York thinking I'll do more theater because that's really what jazzed me in terms of my artistry. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And oh, wow. I had just turned 40 and I thought, you know what? I, I don't want to have two homes. I want to have one mm-hmm. home. I'm really good at that. And when I came down to Atlanta, um, I met this amazing woman named Jennifer Levison, who we call Super Jenny because her name, her S-O-U-P-E-R, Jenny. She has a, <laughs> a restaurant, now five, four restaurants. And she took me in and she uh, taught me her method and her approach to uh, food, which is a very um, sort of almost improvisational, like you all know, you can relate to that because you know, and right. improvisation and acting is, is really important. And that's what she taught me. And, and I just clicked and we had a great time. And after two years, she said, you know what, Mitchell, you're ready to go out on your own. And I said, Jenny, please help me, um, you know, do it with me. And she said, you don't need me go out and do it yourself. And I'll be right there with you. And she has been literally every step of the way. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and that was so, 15 years ago in October. Uh, that's when Metro Fresh opened. And so it's um, it's interesting because when you were talking about growing up, you guys were sort of farm to table growing up before farm to table was even a thing. You know, now it's right. Like and a, I don't think you know the weird thing is I don't think my mom ever would ever think that it was farm to table. Mm-hmm, but she right. literally, it, when the farm stand was open in late in the mid mid May probably in Western New York. Every night she would go up to the farm stand and get whatever was fresh. And that's, and yes, so you're exactly right. It was farm to table. And that's, that's what made me excited. And I love those tastes. And I love seasonal food. I love eating strawberries when it's strawberry season and corn when it's corn season and mm. beets and, you know, uh, right. like beets right out of the ground. Are you kidding me? They're the best things in the entire world. So I have, it's really cool for me because I feel like I've taught a whole generation of Midtown Atlantans how to eat, you know, things like beets and Brussels sprouts and things that they never would have eaten before because they're, they're fresh and they're, they're done well. And, they're interesting and the, the flavor combinations and the profiles are amazing. And so people are eating really great food in a fast, casual atmosphere. And it's, it's been great. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm born and raised in Athens, Georgia. So I lived in Atlanta and it's, uh, I left Atlanta in 87 to quote, come, you know, to Hollywood and start my career. But I, I've always ventured back to see family and I've just been amazed to watch it, Atlanta, you know, explode in a good way in terms of everything in, in Midtown and that whole, I lived, I used to live on Charles Allen and eighth street right by, uh, right near the park, right near. Okay. Piedmont so park. Uh, my restaurant is right there at eighth um, and Monroe, Monroe. So, right across from Grady, Grady high school, you know, where um, hoedowns used to be. Yes. Okay, so I'm in that shopping center. That's what I thought because I used to work in a little gym there years ago. It's not there anymore, but I was just this is how I was living there when they built that shopping center. It's a it's amazing. But Metro Fresh, everyone, that is um, Mitchell's restaurant, and he's on Instagram at Metro Fresh ATL Atlanta, and so. Do you still have more? Do you have more than one location still? Because you well, opened more than yeah. one, right? So we opened a second. So years ago, I, mean, I had um, a second location at the Botanical Garden, um, which was great. But it was a three-year contract, and I decided that after three years that I didn't need to do that anymore. Um, right. <laughs> and and then I who, just who recently needs that headache, right? Yeah, uh, correct. Um, but I I got an opportunity to open in an office building. And because of construction delays and blah, 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 whatever, city of Atlanta stuff, um, we didn't open till August 21st last year. So we literally were just getting going January and February. Finally, we were seeing some, you know, profit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were in the black, you know, Mm. my, my cash flow was, was positive. Right. Right. And then um, March 13th, the entire world changed. 
And uh, so that location has been shut down since the 17th, 19th of March. Mm. And, uh, and it's because it's in an office building. It was an opportunity that um, the landlords of this building, it's very fancy on Peachtree near the high museum. And they wanted to have a, a sort of a higher end, you know, daytime uh, healthy food option in the building, which was great right. for me. And it's all uh, very, very, uh, all of my cu- regular customers are sort of over in that neighborhood. And so I decided to do it, but now it's very questionable. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Um, it, we will definitely reopen. I don't know when the building is, you know, slowly repopulating, but you know, life is different. Who knows? Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Well, um, so have you been, were you doing like takeout, at the at the other place, have you been doing so what, takeout or? We, yeah, what we ended up doing, um, I I would have stayed open, um, but I, it was really it, it was interesting to see what people were willing to put up with, um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of my staff. Um, and at the very beginning, there was so much fear around the the whole COVID thing, and I get it, I totally understand it, and I don't mean to to belittle, belittle their feelings at all, but there they were worried you know and certainly in the end of march uh when the cases case loads were going up and up and up and there was no end in sight it was very scary so what we ended up doing was a an order only two day a week thing so okay uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, people would either pick up or we deliver. And it actually was super successful. We did that for six weeks. Um, and the first four weeks, our order numbers went up and up and up and it was great. Um, and as just as a businessman, it was actually okay because all my staff were getting temporary unemployment Mm-hmm. Um, and I only had to ha- have a very limited staff to come in. So my payroll was low. So in fact, my, I did pretty well. My overhead was really low. Um, I was getting some rent relief. Um, you know, so the actually, it actually worked out. Okay. We're, we're in oh, good that's shape good. over there. Um, that's we good. opened up, this is kind of interesting. We opened up at the <laughs> beginning, let's see, uh, two weeks ago, the week before um, Memorial Day. And then I decided, so we, and we did okay. We were open for six days and, um, but on Memorial day, I decided to close for another five days so that everybody could get tested. And right. that was an interesting kind of experience because I, I, that was a spur of the moment. And I had to, you know, put a sign on the door like, Oh, we're closed again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but the good news is uh, everybody's good. We didn't have any positive uh, tests. And uh, we reopened on, on Monday, and the numbers are pretty good this week. So that's good. Wow. Now, that's for the great. Testing, what did the testing involve, Mitchell? Was it a nasal swab or blood work? Uh, we, I, it was the nasal swab. It's just the, the test for COVID, not the antibody test. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a – so in Georgia, and I think many states now, um, you can get a test on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, I went to a, a, a drive-up test um, that's sponsored by a group called CORE, which is one of those amazing, you know, pop-up nonprofits that uh, is doing testing all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Sean, Sean Penn, isn't that Sean Penn's organization? Uh, you know what? I don't know, but uh, I think, I, I think it is, but yeah, he's, I think I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, I think it's um, the service that he started, but you use them. That's well, great. Did he, did he start that with um, the Haiti earthquake? Yes, that was his, yeah, it's, somehow it's all tied in. I was following him in the local LA um, news and I'm almost positive that's his, his company or organization. Well, I was, I've just been super impressed over the last um, three months since this whole thing happened uh, with everybody's sort of innovation. There's an organization mm-hmm. called Frontline Foods, which started, I want to say, at the end of March in um, San Francisco. And now they have chapters all over the country. And what they do is they fill a need that, especially now since things are opening up, the needs are, are a little bit less. But um, 
there are so many people that want to help. They want to give money, right? Right, so right. So that's one population. Then you have a population of restaurant owners and restaurant you know, businesses that need money because they've had to shut down. And then you have a whole population of, of uh, frontline workers and hospital employees who are you know, working overtime. They're not getting a lot of money. Um, so what Frontline Foods did was they take local donations, they pay uh, local restaurants to create box lunches and dinners and whatever and to deliver to the hospital. So um, I was contacted and I signed up right away. They called me right away and we've done probably four of these uh, deliveries for like up to 150 people. So it's just an amazing thing. Like, and I'm just so impressed how creative people can be and how Mm -hmm. much people want to get out there and help and how passionate compassionate people are um, around this whole thing. And then of course, you know, the events of the last couple of weeks, like the, the mobilization of America in the last couple of months is, is just astounding to me. Astounding. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I don't think, you know, we only hear about the, we get criticized of course, when we're not being supportive and you know, everyone's not doing anything. I don't think sometimes we put the light enough on, and, and I just looked it up. Yeah. Core is community organized relief effort and it, it is Sean Penn's company. So I just want to give a plug to them. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have to give a shout out to them too, because I was super impressed that, that, you know, to me, they're kids, they were all um, right. really knowledgeable, you know, 20 somethings. Uh, and I just, I thought it was super impressive. They had, sites all over um, in town Atlanta in different um, locations. And it was super easy, uh, really accessible, not scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was really great. Well, Mitch, what did you, what was, <clears throat> what were the ingredients in your box lunches that you prepared for the hospital? Um, our, uh, our box lunches are um, a half a sandwich um we do uh, our restaurant is fresh soups and salads essentially, and we our menu changes every day. So what we do is like a really great uh, green leafy salad, usually with berries and goat cheese, with my basil vinaigrette, which I created for 15 years ago. And people, mm. it's a little bit like crack cocaine in, in <laughs> salad. Um, and then I do uh, a soup, um, and you know our our soup. Uh, inventory is is great and vast, and so mm. it's whatever we made that day. Oh wow! Okay, and then, and then a delicious cookie. Are you? Is oh, the restaurant yeah. vegan? Are you vegan or vegetarian? Uh, we we are not vegan, um, but we have vegan options. We're options, not gluten free, okay. but we have gluten free options. Um, we have a lot of vegan and vegetarian and gluten free options. So we. Uh, uh, I always say that we're not a health food restaurant, but we mm-hmm. are a healthy food restaurant. Healthy Because eating, everything yeah. that we make starts from raw materials. Wow. Uh, we, we don't get anything that's already pre-made or packaged. Do that's you amazing. bake as well? Do we you don't do, the do bake? so much baking. No. Oh, so you go out for the cookies. Yeah. So we, we have a really good product. It's a David's uh, frozen uh, drop and bake cookie. Okay. I wish God, I could I'm, take I'm starving now. We, we're, we're, um, <laughs> you know, we prep so much food that adding baking to that would be really difficult. I see. Right. <clears throat> I understand. Well, if anyone's just tuning in, we're joined by the amazing Mitchell Anderson, uh, actor, well, now acting again, uh, chef, author. I want to talk to you also about your cookbooks that you've, how many cookbooks do you have I just now? have one. You have the I, one. I, love, I saw that on your um, your little. Well, you know, that means there's more to come. There's more. Yes, to come. exactly. <laughs> yes. I, that, the good news is that I, I made something the other night at home. It was like a summer great pasta, and I was like, if I make it, if I do another cookbook, I'm totally putting it in. Mm. Well, that's that's what that's probably great. You just come up with stuff. Uh, like I love how you mentioned about the, you know, improv and acting, and you know, really in the last. 10 or 15 years, the whole cooking world has like taken off on television. You know, all the chefs, 
the chef shows and the world's greatest cook and that's a whole other world amongst itself, you know? And you know, what's great about that? I think just on a consumer level, you, people are expecting and want a, a higher uh, culinary experience, a more, mm-hmm. a more uh, interesting and challenging culinary experience, even for lunch. So our, we're open breakfast, lunch and dinner, but our biggest meal is lunch. So it used to be, that you'd go to a deli and you get a ham sandwich and you know maybe a pickle and call it a day, but now you can go to like awesome restaurants and get for not super not a lot of money you can get a really good culinary experience. Like mm-hmm. right now we're getting you know amazing field peas and peaches are in season and you know like my um, my executive chef today made this. Uh, a cold soup out of uh, fresh Georgia peaches, mm. cantaloupe, uh, ginger, and basil. Mm. Oh my god! Oh my god! I it love was, it's I love just peaches. Amazing. Like it's it's the, and it's that kind of thing that I mean that is is improvisational to me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what I will do when I'm in the kitchen is I'll see what we have, I'll see what ingredients are prepped, what I know that I can get. And I will literally just four soups and salads. You can just put anything together. And it's to me, that is really exciting. And so I've been in the kitchen for 15 years now and I'll still come up with something new. I, I of course go back to things that I know and things that I know that people like, but I'll come up with great, awesome combinations. And I think, you know what? I'm good at this. And that <laughs> is the best feeling at my age to, to be able to go, yeah, you know what? I'm good at this. That's an amazing well, what, feeling. What's great is to hear – you can hear the passion in your voice. I was going to say you, the same thing. Right, Ralph? Yes. I mean, this is what's so – I can – the joy for what you're doing, oh, Mitchell, yeah. really comes through and you talking about it. And that's, yeah, I just, that's, that's what I simple. want people to take away from this. Like people that are doing – if you're doing something now and you're not – I mean joyful doing it, listen to Mitchell. Listen to how – passion that he has and of course it's not been easy and it's been years of hard work and all that but the payoff is even in these trying times right now we can hear the the excitement um in your voice and i wanted to sort of segue because um ralph and his late husband it's so weird that i'm still saying late husband but michael and ralph love to cook as well mm-hmm. and one of the things that you know touched ralph the most about after forever, of course, was the relationship with you and uh, with Jason and Brian, mm. because R- Ralph lost his husband a year and a half ago. Ralph, no, not a year and a half. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So, Gosh, I'm yeah. Sorry. And thank you. Well, Mitchell. and you've I've been with my husband twenty twenty three years, also married for. Oh no, kidding, five, really? Five years. Yeah. It's uh, when you said that, it's like wow. But um, yeah. So tell us about when when you. How, how having has it I'm sure it's helped being in this long-term relationship being able to play this character you know it's kind of like I was telling Kevin last week you know we we're part of a generation of gay men that there was a time when we didn't know if we would live this long you know because of HIV and AIDS and so oh 100 percent we thought we were going to die before we were 30 yeah and so one one we never thought we'd be get married and then two we never thought we'd actually live long enough. So I'm sure all of that played into when you talked about when you got these scripts, that must have been so much a part of what you were feeling at the time and thinking about, God forbid, losing Rich, you know, as we all have to think about at times. Oh, yeah. So just uh, the number of times that I (laughs) cried when I first Mm. read that script, I remember I was sitting in my office reading it on the computer and I... I meant to print it out and I didn't even get to print it out because I was so engrossed and Mm. emotional about it. Um, And, you know, well, you know, as, as, as an actor, when you get to tell a story that you are so close to and Mm -hmm. it means so much, um, God, what a, what a blessing that is. Like what a, what an incredible experience and, and gift that is. Yeah. To do that. Right. Um, 
but for so many people, and you know that that's what I love about the results of After Forever. I think mm-hmm. that 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 are that are base, like the people that are watching it. It doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just about knowing relationships and, exactly. and having somebody in your life that you care about, and either you lost them or you or they're still with you, or you know, it, it's about it, it's about how we live and mm. and it, Jester you're absolutely right that what Kevin and Michael created was a, a mature story about mm. about us about who we are now right. yeah. um, you know I did uh, Relax It's Just Sex 20 years ago um, which I love which is, by the way which, so good which is a, a wonderful movie and it was one of my favorite things I ever did but it was who we are, were then you know, then, and, and right. the, the, the topics, the, the things that were on the tip of our tongue right then were like how we deal with dating in the world of AIDS and how we, how we find love or connection with our friends. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's okay. Maybe friends are just what we need. Right. Mm-hmm. So then cut to 20 years later, I'm doing a story about, about an actual marriage, you know, an actual mm-hmm. A relationship that has longevity that has that these two people are together in their friend group, you know, right. and that's what, that's what maturity is. And, you know, I'm almost, uh, I'll be 59 in, in a couple months. So I, I'm knocking on the door of 60, which is so crazy to me. But I know, same here. To, to have been in this world for so long and see all the changes and all the, you know, the things that we've gone through and the, the people that we've lost. And now we have, now we're middle-aged and, mm-hmm. and we're getting to the place where natural causes as, or right. you know, cancer or whatever, take people too early. But, but it's, it's in a way, it's a more natural progression of life. Um, it's and it's kind of a, a, victor, a victory in a strange way. I mean, it's cool. it's a hundred percent. It's a victory. And yeah. that's what, that was what was so moving to me is that it was about two men who've been together for many, many years. And it wasn't, it wasn't the doom and gloom mm-hmm. of, of how we felt in the late eighties and early nineties. Right. Right. But it was about how life just, God fucking life sometimes just deals you a bad blow. And right. everybody goes through it. And then it's about how your friends deal with it and how your your parents deal with it and how beautiful are Lenny Volpe and Anita oh. Gillette. Oh, yes. oh my yes. God. David I, Dean Botrell. David Dean Botrell and and uh, the, Huffman, the, and yeah. and um sorry, Katie Huffman. I mean I, I I just love them so much. They're just such great actors. And, and that's what I think, you know, this, the first season was definitely about Kevin and me. The second season uh, is definitely opening up to see who everybody else is in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's super cool. Exactly. Well, yeah. And Kevin tell everybody have... the best. Oh, I was just going to say, tell everyone the best place that they can find after forever. So they uh, can after forever is on Amazon prime. It's free for uh, Prime members, um, and it's you know, just uh, you uh, search just, on Amazon just Google, or Google it. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, it's After Forever the series. It comes up uh, that way. It's also on something called Binge TV, which is okay. if you're outside the country. Right. Well, and the other, let me, I guess I, you probably have been asked this, so I'm just going to be the hundred thousand person that asks you, um, after now acting again in this, uh, you know, not that, not that the flame was probably out, but are you being, well, let me ask you, are you being approached about other acting stuff? Do you have any desire to pursue other acting or uh, are you I, busy I, living? I, I wish I could say that the, um, that people have been, you know, uh, calling and emailing me since this, uh, since I got my Emmy nomination. Um, but the the truth is that I, my life is not geared towards being able mm-hmm. to uh, go and do uh, right. film. Right. Um, the, the nice thing here is that I'm able to experience performing 
Um, I did not too long ago a stage musical reading of falsettos. Mm, okay. Um, um, I'm going to do at the end of um, of uh, June a um, benefit performance with my friend Super Jenny, who's an amazing actress of uh, A.R. Gurney's Love Letters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so like, I, I feel like my p- performance, you know, if I have still have that itch that needs to be scratched, I still have a chance to you do have it. An outlet right. Exactly. It. Yeah. Um, oh, I can, I, I, I would not, I, I would say that, uh, after forever didn't like, um, put that back into my mind, but I could, mm-hmm. I could see that in my sort of retirement that it, I could, my retirement from the restaurant business that I could go back and, and do more. Well, yeah. you're surrounded, you know, Atlanta has become, as you know, it's like second Hollywood now. I mean, I, I, know. I have an agent there. That's it's still bizarre to me because like I said, you know, I, it's like I left there to come here cause there was no work. And now I actually have friends that have left LA and are living full time in Atlanta. One, because they're, they can live a really great life and not, you know, and, and yeah, own the cost a house. of living is a lot less. Yeah, right. Yeah, but and also because they're working nonstop um, acting. So it's um, let me ask you this: like, it, it, I was telling Ralph, you know, Atlanta has always been a very pro-gay, LGBTQ, diverse city. Um, how how do you how do you navigate politically there in the climate that that the the Deep South has sort of gotten this reputation now since I left. Well, here's a weird thing. In many ways, it had made great progress, I felt, in the South. I thought we, you know, like a lot of people, I guess I thought Obama was president and we got gay marriage and everything's great. But, you know, we've seen in the last four years in particular, um, I think the South still gets a bad rap at times. But in in some ways now, lately, I'm having a hard time defending it um, because of some of the political climate there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I live in Midtown Atlanta. John Lewis mm-hmm. is my congressman. And John right. Lewis Thank is God. You know, civil rights hero. I love him to death. He's the cutest man in the world. Like, <laughs> at every HRC dinner, he's there and he's standing on the tables and he's, he's just, he's just amazing. Midtown Atlanta, like a lot of major American cities is incredibly diverse. It's, mm-hmm. you know, everything that you could imagine. My restaurant is incredibly diverse. I feel incre- I feel really comfortable everywhere I go. Um, it is a very liberal town. Um, but we also elected Brian Kemp as our, uh, as our governor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, it's a it's a horrifying thing to me because he his his campaign ads showed him to be the most re- reactionary redneck that you could imagine, and it's embarrassing. Right. Frankly. right. Um, he, he doesn't. So, but on the other hand, we almost elected Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams, and yeah. she's dynamic and amazing and progressive and smart and articulate. And I honestly think that she, honestly, between she and Keisha um, Lance Bottoms, who's our mayor, mm-hmm. are, they're, they're like on the inside track to be Joe Biden's Vice running. president. So I agree. Um, so I think either one of them would be amazing. So, and, and I think if, either one of them were the running mate. I think that um, Georgia may go blue and even without that Georgia may go blue. It's been hard. That part of it is very difficult. Right. right. When I was, uh, you know, a young actor and uh, in my twenties and thirties in Los Angeles, I was surrounded by incredibly uh, progressive, amazing activists, um, gay and straight alike. And, we uh 100% you know in the in the Reagan era and then the first George Bush era um but we we were fighting and then mm-hmm. you know Clinton was elected and Barbara Boxer was elected and we all helped her help them 
get a, and we, you know, that was part of my life. That was part of who I am and mm-hmm. was. Um, so coming here, uh, as I say, like my immediate surroundings are amazing and as progressive as anywhere I've ever lived. And in fact, right. a lot more integrated than ever, than I'd ever lived. Um, but just outside, it's, it's, it's still quite frightening. Well, the truth is, when I lived there from 85 to 87, it, Midtown was exactly like that. Like, I I was only 60 miles from my hometown, but I might as well, I felt like I was in, la, you know, La La Land, because it was so, it was so gay-friendly, it was so diverse. So in that respect, it's almost, Ralph, it's almost like living in West Hollywood, you know, in in L.A. That's how Midtown mm-hmm. it. Atlanta is. Um, well, you know, well, Jasper, the, the, the difference, is, though, too, it, the cool thing about Atlanta is that, you know, the 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 racial diversity in yes, in the center of Atlanta is amazing. So it's di- a little bit different than it is. West, you're right. You're right. To me, when I when I was in West Hollywood, you know, most of my friends were, you know, gay white men. Gay white and men. here yeah. it's just that's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our friends are are, are uh, uh, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's always been the the dichotomy in Atlanta, and like it's always had a predominantly black government, and it's just always been a very unique. Even going way back, that's where they've always had a very big, you know, drag queen pageantry yeah. and gay bars yeah. and you yeah. So here. yeah, mm. I used to see, okay. I, and I used to see when I was living there, there would be this really tall black androgyny person on roller skates, right. With a Mohawk. And um, he would, he would skate around midtown and he would, you know, staple his little flyers all around. And years later, I mean, I didn't know who that was. And then years later I found out that was RuPaul back in the day who was, you know, promoting his shows or whatever. But in full disclosure, before we run out of time, I have to tell you that growing up in Athens, so Brian Kemp was one of my very best friends. We went to first grade all the way through high school together, friends of the family. Oh, my my God, I'm so sorry. No, no. so So you can imagine it's been it's been a real journey for me in this whole dealing with Brian, because all I can say is when I saw those campaign ads that Brian was doing, I, I don't know who, I don't know who that is. Like that is a caricature of a person that I, I don't know. That's not the Brian that I ever grew up with. I ever knew I ever stayed in touch with. Um, so it's been amazingly disappointing in some respect, but I, all I can say is like you, you know, I was, I was so excited to see Stacey Abrams, but Ralph knows this. I've actually had conversations with Brian since then. And um, it's just, it's just an amazing topic because it's a chance where I can look at someone and go, wow, he, he really is playing a character. You know, there, there really is a, a character here that unfortunately I don't think he understands that that is affecting people's lives in horrible, horrible ways. Um, but that could, we could do a whole show on that. But I just wanted to say in full wow, disclosure that and, you know I'm 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 interested to hear that because I, I, it does seem like a character. It is. Uh, there, there was uh, one piece of legislation that obviously got a lot of attention, and that's the abortion bill that he signed, and and mm-hmm. uh, and then there was that you know threatened boycott and the re- religious freedom. Bill. Well, that no, yes, oh. that hasn't passed yet. But no, it's mm. the the um, there was a, a restrictive abortion bill that passed in the last oh, right, legislature, right. Okay. and mm-hmm. all of Hollywood was going to pull out. And yeah, and my my, you know, so I know that he's beholden to that wing of the Republican Party, which doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be like that. Right. Um. Uh, his predecessor had a little bit more sense um, to moderate the super conservative wing of the party because he knew that, you know, like the new Hollywood, you know, this, this, the the billions and billions of dollars that come in from, from 
uh, all of the production was going to pull out with mm-hmm. with the religious freedom bill and the and the abortion bill. So I was I started getting super concerned because uh, uh, frankly we we get a lot of catering mm-hmm. from the film business. Right, and I would think so. So even a small business like mine is affected by what is going on, and when people are saying, "Oh, we've got to boycott Georgia, don't go to Georgia," I'm like, "Don't." That's the absolute wrong-headed right. way. You should be sending more people to Georgia, right? Because right. Stacey Abrams lost by only seventy thousand votes. If we right. got, you know, like. We're almost there, so mm-hmm. um, I, I I'm sorry to hear that your friend Brian um, kind of uh, <laughs> went off the rails for you. But <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's a it's a learn. It was it's been a real learning experience because um, I without disclosing all I can say is I when I first reached out to Brian, it was over that very issue of of production because I'm also a manager, so I have. In addition to acting, I have clients that you know work in Atlanta, and so I did reach out. And all I can say, hmm, all I can say is I was assured a hundred percent that that was not going to happen. That the production was not that he was not going to let the production leave Georgia. And so far, he hasn't. But um, well, true, they kept they kept the tax breaks, which is good. Um, but I think that the the social issues are really hard for you know, some of the uh, Hollywood liberal elite to to follow. And I get it. I totally get it. But, but as I say, if, if they would ask me as a businessman in, as a liberal gay businessman in, in Atlanta, if Mm -hmm. they asked me, I would say, send more people, give us more people. Like we're almost there. We're at the tipping point. Yeah. And I don't back away now. Yeah, the sad part is for me now. So now, when I look at certain politicians, you know, and people say, I've had other people say, "Oh, well, I knew them. You know, they're just they're just playing a character. You know, they're they're playing to their base." And it's like, wow, they they really do. I mean, for me, I've had this is really my first hand, my first time I've had like firsthand experience, and and by no means, and I and I'm not excusing it at all, and I don't condone what he's done or or whatever, but it's just a, it's just a very strange place to be in. But I, I always see, I applaud you and Richie and Ralph knows this. I always say it's really easy to be gay and liberal in a big metropolitan city. And even like you said, in Midtown, it's, it's the people that are fighting the battles in small rural towns and they're, they're, they're staying there, you know, they're refusing to move. They're, they're married and they have kids and they're gay. And I applaud those people so much because it's so much harder to stay in those environments um, and, and show them, show the other people who they really are. So that's, we need more people to do that, but listen, I don't know where the time goes. I, we could talk to you for the next three hours. So (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I, uh, wish you nothing but continued success. I, I think we're all so as fellow actors, we're just so happy for you that you came to your senses. No, I'm kidding that you, uh, <laughs> that you chose, you chose a great path and it's worked out so well for you. And um, you. Well, I would love, it has been interesting, um, but it is, I have to say that, you know, it is fun to say, have this sort of resurgence a little bit and, you know, get to talk to people like you and, and have people interested again. And, you know, there, there is, I hate to say it, you never lose it completely. You don't Ab- lose that, that thing it's where like you want people riding to a bicycle, questions. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Mitchell, you're a happy man and it's refreshing and well, everything you. about you. You're the epitome of, of, contentment it's really nice to be on your vibe like that yeah well, thank absolutely you. we'll give that. our best give our best to richie and you also. know what i i have to say i appreciate that especially because um this last you know few months but also this last few weeks have have been really challenging for all of us right oh, and, and yeah absolutely for america right now Absolutely. And you guys are amazing. Stay there. I mean, listen, I'm always Georgia through and through. So, you know, no matter how long I'm away from there. And I feel like I get the feeling 
Georgia is your really your home now, you know, that, that you feel a real connection to it. So, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. And I want it to work. So hopefully Absolutely. we'll turn blue this, this uh, yes, fall. Yes. Yes. That would be so great. You guys get jobs here and come see me. I'll feed you. Oh, listen. Thank you for I, the invitation. Yes. That my dad's in Athens. He's 88 years old, going strong. The next time I get, <laughs> the next time when I'm can get back on a plane and get there, um, right. I'm gonna definitely look you up in uh, at the restaurant on in on Monroe Drive in Midtown, for okay, sure. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Thank buddy. You so Thank much, you, guys. Anderson. Take care. Stay safe. Thank okay. you so much. Wow, what a great interview, Ralph. Thank you. Another, you're very welcome. Another great interview. I'm loving going through these series regular people. They're so much fun to talk to, to learn about their other lives. And Mitchell is so passionate. God, he is the epitome of just like content. It's full circle for him. He can act or not, plus gets enough to dabble in to satisfy that need. Should he want, but his real passion is going to make some beet soup girl with a rutabaga and a cookie. Oh, crrr, Tamara Braun, did, going didn't up. you love? Didn't you love though? Yeah, I thought that was such a great analogy about how you know we improv as actors. And I don't know. I was just listen. My takeaway from this interview was just the the joy and the passion that he had in in his voice Absolutely. and in his in his life and absolutely uh, what made me laugh is when you said oh my god i'm getting so hungry now and i was like what for a glass <laughs> of water bitch you don't eat <laughs> well i was just happy i was happy to hear that there would be some chicken and some protein at the restaurant <laughs> right because that's Cause tell a, me that's why tell me you were thinking it was also vegan and probably you nothing were you all eat. like so is it vegan girl <laughs> and i was like oh thank god i'll be there for a chinese chicken salad. Oh my God, that is hilarious. Well, that's why Tamara Braun needs to go because, you know, Tamara would be all up into that. Oh, speaking of which, (laughs) is she going to win the Emmy? Uh, Well, it'll be her second second win Uh, and I think her third nomination, so Oh my uh, goodness, we fingers crossed. We have the Midas touch, honey. These people are just nominated and are going to win, girl, and it's all because they were on our show. Well, and in conclusion, we were just going to give you a little uh, Planet Earth. Ralph and I are going to have some good news coming up soon because it looks like he and I are going to be in a show together. But that's all we can really say. We are going to be doing uh, a series. And that's all. See, the more I talk, the more I let uh, fall out of my mouth, Ralph. But Okay, we well, need... at least it's not a purse. Okay, so it's... <laughs> We need to let that little thing just let that little tidbit of information just lay there. Ralph, the two Cole, the Cole brothers will be on a series together. We didn't say what okay. kind of series. We didn't say if it would ever air anywhere, but we just said we, we might actually be in our gloves and masks shooting okay. something. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Ralph, give Rose a big hug and a big kiss. And Thank you, Jasper. And you we do will... the same with Dennis. And we will see everyone next Thursday, same time. Oh, tonight, coming up right after this on BS Podcast, you can listen to last week's show with Kevin Spiritus and Adam Rothenberg and William Jowkowski. Everyone, take care. Ralph, love you. Peace out. See you next time. Bye. Bye, Planet Earth. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.